we're in Proverbs 16 today as we're, as we're working through. And, uh, and there's, some, there's some truths here that I'm, I'm excited to share with you. And I pray that it'll be a real blessing as we, as we honor the Lord uh, and read His Word as we go through it today. Uh, it starts off here in verse 1. And the Bible says, The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The Bible tells us about uh, uh, that, that King Solomon was, was inspired by God to pen these Proverbs. We've gone over that many times. And he's writing it to his son, Rehoboam, who is going to follow him on the throne of Israel. But, and he wanted Rehoboam to be a wise king. He wanted him to be a wise man. And so he's telling him, prepare your heart. But the Bible tells us that Rehoboam did not do that. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He didn't prepare his heart to follow after God. The result of that was the division of the nation. The nation was divided and trouble came upon his house and, and, uh, and many, many generations that followed were, were, there were kings that did not please God and, and others that did not please God. And, and that was, a, that was a reproach. The Bible says righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that was seen very clearly through the lives of the kings of Israel, as some were, were godly and the nation was blessed, some were foolish and wicked, and the nation suffered the consequences for that. Uh, but uh, a heart that is prepared to seek the Lord is a result of deliberate choices that you and I make that we, that we on purpose are going to seek after God, that we want God's will for our lives. Our theme for this year is is in L.A. You know, thy will be done in L.A. as it is in heaven. But as I said in my prayer, that, that's going to start right here with me and you. We can't expect for God's will to be done in L.A. as it is in heaven and for us to just continue doing our will. We need to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. Now, preparation is going to include, it's going to include setting your affection on things above. Preparing your heart means that you are going to stop valuing the things of this life and you're going to, going to place your affection in the value, uh, your value system on things above. The, the things that are godly, the things that are eternal. Because that's what's going to last forever. We, we, need, to, we need to love the Lord and, and to love His way and to love honoring Him. Set our affection, our desires on that that's above. Secondly, uh, pre preparation includes searching your heart for sin. You know, as, as, you, as, you begin to, as you begin to set your affection on things above, if you begin to notice there's a little tug to something back down here on this earth, there's probably an element of sin there. There's probably some, something here of this earth that is, that is pulling you back from, from going all the way uh, in your commitment to God. And I'd call it what it is. It's an idol. It's sin. Anything that comes between you and God is sin. And we need to, we need to confess it and forsake it. We need to, we need to uh, well, the Bible tells us, the Bible says, and, and this, this is some pretty strong words of, that Jesus spoke. He said, he said, if any of you will come after me, if any man will come after me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and houses and land, all that. He said, he can't be my disciple. Now we say, whoa, Jesus is saying for us to hate people? But if you look at, at the teachings of Jesus, if you take it all in, in, in context, if you look at it as a whole, what he's saying is your love for him ought to make your love for them look like hate. Because you love him so much more. He's not saying that he wants you to, to despise and actually hate people. What he's saying is, he wants your love for them to pale in comparison to your love for Him. So many people will, do, will, will make exceptions in their Christian life because, because of some family member or some friend. But we need to honor the Lord above everything and let Him be reflected in our lives and our commitment to Him be above all. And He has, he has said for us to set our affection on things above. Hey, search your heart for sin. 
See, is there anything that would, that would hinder you from, from honoring God completely and fully and then confess it and forsake it? And then thirdly, trust Jesus with your heart. Trust Jesus with all your heart. And maybe this should be the very first. It, it, it actually should be the very first uh, step in, in pre- preparing your heart to seek the Lord. But perhaps there's some that you've, you've, been, you've been a church goer, you've been a church member uh, for most of your life, but, but God would show you in His grace and mercy that you have never actually made the decision to be a disciple of Christ. You've never actually made the decision to be a follower of Christ and to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's first and foremost. You cannot, you could go to church every Sunday. You could read the Bible through uh, three times a year, all the day, every year of your life, and still die and go to hell. Because it's not in what we do, it's in what Jesus Christ did. And we trust in Him. We trust in, in His finished work on the cross at Calvary. Because He is the one that paid the price to to redeem us from our sin and to give us salvation. And when you come to Him and trust Him with your heart, you trust Him with your soul, your spirit, your life, hey, He'll save you from your sin. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hey, that's really the first step in preparing your heart to seek the Lord. Preparing your heart to honor God. But there are many who, who they, they've just decided they're going to do their, their, their life their way. You know, uh, they, they have this idea, you know, you do you and I'll do me. And, and, and this is what seems right to me and this is what feels good to me. And so, and so I'm going to do it this way and, and that'll be okay. But the Bible says God has the last word. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God will have the last word. And the last word that you want to hear on that judgment day is well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. So let's make sure that we've prepared our heart properly to trust Jesus as our Savior. And then you will hear, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then after you've trusted Him as your Savior, Set your affection on things above and let Him search you and see if there's any wicked way in you and get the sin out of your life. Then you'll hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's been said often that when the heart is pure, the vision is clear. And, and we want to be sure that, we, that we're seeing clearly uh, the pathway of life that is laid before us because we want to live in a way that's honest, uh, honoring God. The Bible says, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. You know, we, we often think that our way is right and that other people are wrong. And, but but what, what we need to understand and realize that God is the one that's right. And, and we need to, we need to not, not compare ourselves among ourselves, but rather we need to compare ourselves with God and His Word and see does our life line up with Him. Because it doesn't matter if our life lines up with somebody else. If our life doesn't line up with God and His Word, then it doesn't make a difference. We're wrong. Amen? So we need to, we need to uh, line up with God. Uh, uh, the Lord weigheth the spirits. God knows the motivation. God knows why you're doing what you're doing. Um, it's often, it's often our mindset of, of, you know, my sin looks fine on me, but my sin looks horrible on you, right? Uh, we, we can look around and see people doing the same thing that we actually do, and we think it's, it's terrible and how, how wicked and, and awful of a person they are, but we excuse it when it's us, right? Um, somebody cuts us off in traffic, and we're like, oh, you scoundrel, where'd you get your, where'd you get your, your, uh, uh, your driver's license on Amazon, you know, or something like that? Uh, but but then we we cut somebody off in traffic. No, oh, I didn't see them, or or oh, I'm in a hurry, and or whatever. I've got to get to work. I'm running late. We excuse our sin, but we want to hold somebody else to a different standard. That's that's sinful. That's wrong. So the Bible tells us in verse three, commit thy works to the Lord. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You know, we often make plans and we do our own desires, uh, but the, and then we ask God to bless it. Many times people will come and say, hey, I'm doing this and this and this. These are things that I'm going to do. And and I want you to pray for me that God will bless it. That's not the way to live our life. The way to live our life is, first of all, to say, God, will you show me the life, the pathway that you will bless? And then we follow in that. Amen? 
We need to find out what God's will is. And we need to go in that direction. Commit thy, thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. It's not, it's not, Lord, this is what I'm doing, and so I'm, I'm going to dedicate it to you, and I want you to bless it. No, no, no. The word commit here, and I want you to think about this. The word commit means, the, the Hebrew word that was, that was translated commit, it means to roll down. So you get this picture in your mind. You're up on a mountain, and you got this big boulder, and you're pushing it. And you know, there's going to come a point to where it goes on its own and you can't stop it, right? It has committed to that downhill roll, right? Uh, and, and what God wants you to do is with your life, your works, your deeds, your plans, He wants you to put them in His hands to where, to where you say, hey, my hands are off and there's no turning back, there's no stopping it. I'm going all the way for God. That's what He wants you to do. He wants you to commit yourself. You know, it's kind of like, like, you know, you, you're going to go and, and dive into a pool and you, and you go running off the diving board and, and you get to a point where, you know, sometimes you can go running and, and you just kind of stop, right? But there's a point that you, you try to stop and you're tumbling over, aren't you? You're committed. God wants you to commit your life to Him. Commit your, your plans to Him. Commit your, your desires to Him. Commit your works to Him. Hey, give Him your future. And He'll establish your thoughts. He'll help you to think right. He'll help you to, to plan wisely. He'll help, you to, uh, he'll, he'll help you with the direction. And we'll, we'll get into that more as we go along. Uh, we, we, what we need to do is focus on honoring God in everything we do. Uh, do all to the glory of God. You know, the Bible says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. If God is interested in being glorified in our eating and drinking, then I believe He's interested in every detail of our lives. And He wants us to do it to His honor and glory. He wants us to do it for Him to be magnified and exalted. That's gonna, when, when you have that, that purpose in your heart, it's going to affect your thoughts, it's going to affect your mindset, it's going to affect your perspective, your worldview. The Bible says the Lord hath made all things for Himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. People many times read this and they're like, see there, God made wickedness. But that's not what it says. God made the wicked. Yes, He made the wicked, but He didn't make them wicked. Man chose to be wicked. Man made a decision to follow the, the, the temptations of the devil, and so man chose to be wicked. God didn't make them wicked. He, he, cre- he, made the, he made the wicked. He made the individuals. He made those people, but He didn't make them wicked. They did that themselves. We did that ourselves. We can't point the finger at God and blame Him for all that's going wrong in this world. Well, doesn't He have the power to stop it? Yes, He does, but that's not what He said He's going to do. He has a plan, and it's going to come to fruition, and it is working out. And you can sometimes look around us and see the things that are going on, and you can see that God's plan is coming to to fruition. It is working out according to the way that He said it would. He made the wicked. And, And the truth is, knowing man's heart, knowing man's wickedness, God uses that He uses those wicked people to fulfill His purposes. Just like He did with Pharaoh. Sometimes people, people say, well, see, God, God created Pharaoh and, and, and doomed Pharaoh. He destined Pharaoh to go to hell because God said uh, that, that, he, that for this purpose He raised him up so He could destroy him. But here's the thing. God knew Pharaoh was wicked at heart. He knew that Pharaoh was going to rebel against him no matter what time in history, no matter what position Pharaoh held. And God knew in his sovereignty, in his omniscience, God knew that Pharaoh was wicked. And so, he, so in his sovereignty, he said, you know what? That character and that wickedness and that stubbornness and that rebellion, it fits perfectly in my plan right here. So he placed Pharaoh right where it would work best according to his plan. See, God... Man decides what he's from the heart which direction he's going to go. But God has the last word. 
Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You know, many times people, people do wrong. They are, they are proud in their heart. Pride leads us to, to be abominable. The Bible says everyone that is proud in heart is, a, is an abomination to the Lord. There are a lot of things the Bible says are an abomination. It would do us good to, to, get out, uh, to, to do a study sometime uh, on what the Bible lists as abominations. Many times we, we, hear, about, we hear about lifestyles that, uh, that the Word of God condemns, that society has accepted, but the Word of God condemns. Adultery, fornication. You know, there's a, there's this idea of you know we can we can we can you know uh, we can sleep together and it's okay because you know it's I, we're we're consenting adults or whatever. But the Bible says it's wrong. The Bible says it's sin. There's this idea that well you know I love them and and who's to, who's to say who I'm to, who I can love? Well, nobody's nobody's telling you you can't love somebody. The Bible's just telling you how you should love them the right way, biblically. The Bible says that, that marriage is one man, one woman forever. That's the way God's Word teaches it. And it says that otherwise is abomination. God says a lying tongue is abomination. The Bible says a proud heart is abomination. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination. There's a lot of things the Bible says are an abomination. It would do us good to find those things out and then do our best not to be an abomination. Hey, it's a, it's a terrible thing. It's a, an abomination is a detestable thing. It's something that, it's something that makes God sick. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God sick. I don't want to be an abomination. I want to do those things that honor God and, 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 uh, and He's pleased with. Um, so God says that pride is wrong. It doesn't, matter if, if, it doesn't matter if you and your buddy go in together and you cheat somebody and you're all proud of yourselves because you took advantage of somebody. You know, you high-five or you shake hands, whatever. That's what it's talking about. Hand join in hand, you know, high-five or shaking hands or something like that. It says, no hand join in hand. Even though y'all agree on it, even though y'all are good with, with each other in this deal, you've been dishonest, you've been prideful, you've taken advantage. God said, hey, you're not going to go unpunished. He'll take care of that. God says it's wrong. But here's a, here's, a, here's a blessing. The Bible says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Hey, I'm grateful that even though we often are prideful, even though we often live, uh, live lives that are, uh, where, we, where we fail in areas of sin, I'm grateful for the mercy uh, of God. I'm grateful for the truth of God. And it's by His mercy and truth that iniquity is purged. First, it's purged at our salvation when we trust Jesus as our Savior. And then, and then through our lives, as He's helping us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we are maturing spiritually, His mercy and His truth purges our lives from sin. He points those things out, and He helps us to get those things out of our life. I'm grateful for His mercy and truth. The Bible says, my mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. That's God's part. That's His promise that He'll give mercy as He has given truth. Amen? But then our part is here, it says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. We need to fear the Lord. We need to have that honor, that reverence, that respect for God, that reverential fear that leads us to walk away from sin and to li- to live lives that are uh, that are uh, that are faithful and godly. Hey, here's 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 the truth. God is faithful with His mercy and truth. Are you faithful with your fear of the Lord and departing from evil? I, I'll tell you that that convicts me, and I, I pray that God will that uh, I pray that 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 uh, God will help me to see those areas that I've been blinded to in my own life, where I have not feared the Lord and departed from evil as I should. And I pray that I pray that I will grow in in those things because I want to honor God. And you want to honor God with your life. Let's let's make that decision. Let's make that commitment today. Amen. The Bible says, "When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him." I like to have friends. I don't like to have enemies. But there are people inevitably that don't like me. And I don't understand it. I think I'm a very likable guy. I think I'm a, you know, personally, I think I'm a pretty good, I'm I'm a, I I think I'm great. Except when I'm not, right? Except when I'm a scoundrel. Except except when I, when I can't stand myself for being, for, for being sinful, Right? 
we all make enemies along the way. But here's the thing. The Bible says that if, if, we, if our ways please the Lord, He'll make our enemies to be at peace with us. What, what, are, what are the ways that please the Lord? When we live allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be shown in us, love. Who's going to be angry at you when you truly show the love of Christ? How about joy? Letting the joy of Jesus overflow in your heart and let it splash out on your face and, and let other people get blessed by the joy of Jesus in your life. I'm not talking about being goofy and crazy and acting like a court jester, dancing around and being, and, and being foolish, goofy. I'm talking about just genuine joy in your heart and life. Not happiness based on happenings, but joy that comes from within when the Spirit of God is doing His work and you're yielding to Him. Those are the ways that please the Lord. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 19, 22, it says the desire of a man is his kindness. You know what that means? That means that what attracts people to somebody is their kindness. When, when you are kind to other people, it, the barriers come down. We live in a very skeptical, skeptical time in history. Everybody's, you know, I mean, you, you, can, you can even notice it with these, with these masks that we have to wear. I, I can't stand these things. I hate these things. Can't, can't hardly breathe. You go to say something to somebody and you know what they're going to say? Huh? What was that? Because, because everything's like, everything's so muffled. I saw a meme the other day, had this dog on there looking at a human being that had a, had a mask on and said, who did he bite? You know, uh, but... Uh, but every, you go into stores and you go into stores and people people they'll, they'll they'll look at you and they'll they'll walk around like this you know making sure they don't get too close to you. I mean, if if you don't have a mask on they they look at you like you're some kind of crazy imbecile or something you know and and they just they're just appalled and can't believe it. I don't want to give people a reason to to avoid me. I, I, I miss just going up to somebody and saying, hey, how are you? And just giving them a big, a big hug. I miss all that. If you do that nowadays with coronavirus and hand sanitizer and masks and social, I mean, everybody, everybody thinks you're crazy and, and that you're out just trying to kill everybody with your coronavirus, you know. What attracts people to us is, is our kindness. It helps those skeptical barriers to come down. That's why when I'm at, when I'm at a store, I, I, try to, I try to be encouraging to people. You know, I, I try to speak a word to the, to the cashier or to people that are around me to, to encourage them and let them know, hey, there's, there's hope beyond a, beyond a mask. There's joy. And, and even though you can't see it right now, I, I hope you can see it in my eyes, but even though you can't see it behind this mask, I'm smiling at you because... I like you, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to cause there to be division. I want people to come our way. The Bible says the desire of a man is his kindness. Be kind to other people. Be kind to one another. I, I, don't, I don't like being around rude people. People that are just kind of hateful and, and sharp with their words. I don't like being around them. And, and if, you're, if you're mean and sharp and hateful with your words, I would encourage you to, to ask God to help you. My mom, my mom told me for years, and, and, and I'll be honest, this is still something that I work on. There's, there's a, a tone to my voice sometimes that's just kind of harsh and sharp and sometimes even rude. And I don't want it to be that way. I've got a message of, of goodness and hope and the grace and love of Jesus that I want everybody to listen to. And if I'm speaking to them sharply and harshly and hatefully, that's going to turn them away. So I need to be sure that I'm being kind to them. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible tells us here, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you've got an enemy, hey, be kind to them. But you don't know what they've done to me. They've done me wrong. The Bible says, the Bible says, be tender-hearted 
forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know how that verse starts off? Be ye kind one to another. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to be kind even to those who we would consider our enemies. Well, they don't deserve our forgiveness, my, my forgiveness. They don't deserve my kindness. You know what they deserve? I'll tell you what they, you know. Yeah. But what do you deserve? What did you do to Jesus? You haven't been crucified yet. Jesus literally was for you. That's what you did to him. That's what I did to him. And he forgave us. Amen. The Bible says better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Uh, it, it's, better, it's better to be, to be penniless and to live a, a godly life than to have wealth and live wickedly. It's what this is saying. Um, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. You know, again, we can think and plan and try to figure out which way to go, but the Lord will give us that direction. We decide to honor Him, and He's going to show us the paths, the steps it takes to accomplish it. Uh, then then uh, Solomon writes several verses here addressing kings. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been uh, encouraging, but some of it, some of this so far, it's been a little, a little close to home. You know, it's been, it's been rubbing the cat the wrong way. You know, it's been making us a little bit uncomfortable because it's talking about our sin. And I'm glad that he's going to start talking about the king's sin because I'm not a king, right? How about you? But you know what? The Bible tells us that Jesus has made us kings and priests. Each of us has our own little domain over which we reign, right? And so we can learn from this as well. All Scripture is given uh, by inspiration of God and is profitable for us. So let's, let's learn from this. He says, The divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. Uh, a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All, uh, all the weights of the bag are His work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In the light of a king's countenance is life, and his favor is as the cloud of the latter rain. All of this is, is, is helping us to, to remember that, that if we're going to be righteous in our judgment, if we're going to be righteous in our ruling and reigning over our little domains, then we need to do it right. There's a way to do it. There's a way to say it. There's a way to approach a situation. And, and it's, it's with a heart that is right with God, a, a, a heart that is motivated to honor God. It's, it's with lips that are purposed that we will not speak wickedness. We're not going to speak uh, hatefully and harshly uh, and, and turn people away from hearing the gospel. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to speak perversely. We're not going to let wicked, corrupt communication proceed out of our, out of our mouths. We're not going to speak profanity. We're not going to, uh, to be disrespectful. Hey, we're going to do what is right. Because a king is the leader. The king is setting the example. And you know what happens when, when a king uh, does not transgress with his mouth in judgment? when he doesn't speak, get, uh, pass judgment in a, in a wrong way, you know what happens? His subjects, those that are coming behind him, those that are following him, they're going to learn from that and they're going to learn to speak wisely and to speak righteously. When a king sets the example of just weights and balances that are the Lord's and he wants to honor God with the decisions of his life, that teaches those coming behind him to live honestly and righteously, living with integrity. Hey, I want my life to honor God. And I want those coming behind me too as well. I, I recognize that, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not king of the church. Jesus is king, amen? But He has placed me as pastor over the church. Uh, he's, he's placed me to, as the, the, she, the, uh, the shepherd, the under-shepherd, under, under the chief shepherd Himself, uh, leading the church. And I need to follow this example of my king and your king. As, as I'm leading those who are following. Going on, verse 16, he says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding than uh, rather to be chosen than silver? God spoke to Solomon one day and he said, He said, Ask me for, ask me for anything. 
I mean, can you imagine God saying, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. Now, those of you that know the story, then you know the right answer. If God came to you and said, ask me for anything, you know you would, you'd ask for what Solomon asked for because that's what, that's what he did and, and he, he, got the, he got blessed because of it. But if you didn't know the story of Solomon and God came to you and said, ask me for anything, we might, in our, in our sinful and carnal hearts, we might ask for a bunch of money. Or we might ask to be made ruler over the world. Or, or we might ask to be the most popular person. Or to have, uh, to, to have uh, you know, young, young people, they might ask for a certain person to be their boyfriend or their girlfriend. Or they might ask for a, 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 a nice sports car or a big house or a, a career or whatever. Hey, the, there's no telling what we'd ask for, but those show that our, affection, our affections are set on things of this earth. God asked Sol- told Solomon, he said, ask me, ask me for anything and I'll do it for you. Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, you've, you've asked right. You got the right answer. And he said, because you have not asked for riches, I'm going to give you riches. And the Bible says God blessed Solomon so that during his reign that silver was so abundant in Israel, uh, silver was so abundant in Jerusalem that it was like gravel by the side of the road. Can you imagine living in that day? I'd like to, you know, just kind of time travel back there and take me a little bag and kind of scoop up, scoop up some gravel and bring it back now, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, but that's how prosperous he was. God gave him, gave him power and, and, and dominion and because he asked what was right, because he recognized that what he needed more than anything was wisdom to rule God, over God's people. And, and it's better for you and me to have wisdom than, than to have riches. The Bible says in verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Uh, the highway of the upright, the path that the upright are living, the way that, the, that a righteous person is going is is going to lead them to depart from evil. It's not going to be to continue in evil. You know, you, you cannot be doing wrong and living right. Amen? You can't be living in sin and honoring God at the same time. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. It's going to take you away from evil. And it's not, it's not a, little, a little dirt path that you're walking on. Notice that the Bible says a highway. That means... You can, you can move over into the fast lane and you can book it, right? Getting away from evil as fast as you can. That's what God has for you and for me. Pride goeth before destruction. Hey, well, you know, I can see that how other people need to get away from it, but I can handle it. You know what that is? That's pride. I can handle the temptation. I can handle doing, doing this because I know just how close I can get without falling. Yeah, that's pride. And that's foolish. The Bible tells us that we don't, need to, we don't need to just get as close to sin as we possibly can. We need to flee from it. The Bible says in, in Hebrews that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. We need to put it away. You know what that, you know what that means? The word beset there's a couple of different meanings. One is, is it surrounds you. It's around you. Another definition of beset is kept at arm's length. Do you know why we like to keep sin at arm's length? We like to keep it away at arm's length because when, when the pastor or church people are around, we can say, hey, see, I'm staying away from it. Stay away from me, sin. But when they're gone, come here. We can grab a hold of it and draw it close. But when, the, when they're gone again, uh, when, when, they, when they come back, or when we come to church, whew, keep that sin at arm's length. Nobody's around. Whew, let's have fun now. Right? And there's pleasure in sin for a season. And then you're going to reap the harvest of the crop that you've sown. When harvest time comes, you're not going to like what, you, what you're reaping. That's why we don't need to keep it at arm's length. The Bible says, lay aside the weight 
and the sin. Put, put away that sin that easily besets you. When I was a, when I was a kid, we came home, from, uh, came home from school one day. I was going to a, a, a Christian school about a half hour from our house. And, and we got home and, and we lived on a little country road there and, and, uh, and pulled into our driveway and went to, went to go in the house. And we noticed across the street was this, was this raggedy, shaggy dog sitting across the street just looking at our house, scoping it out. And we came, came home the next day and that dog was over there. Came home the next day, the dog was laying there. Came home the next day and the dog was on our side of the street but still looking at, still looking at our house. Came, down, came home the next day and it was laying on our porch and welcoming, welcoming us home. <laughs> and it became a good dog that we kept around for a little while. But as good as that dog was, the, I, I realized that, that we do the same thing with temptation and sin. We see it out there and we notice it. But we let it, we let it stay there, you know. And then it gets a little closer. And we recognize it and we don't do anything about it. But before long, it's taking up residence in our lives and we're allowing it to continue. When you allow sin and temptation to take up residence in your life and in your home, it's going to destroy you. We can't do that. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. You know, when, if you want a right outcome, if you want a good outcome, good results from, from the situations of your life, you, you, can, you can have that if you'll choose it. But it comes by choosing to handle the situation wisely. You might say, well, I'm, I'm not wise. I don't have wisdom. I, I, I don't know a lot of the Bible. But here's the thing. You don't have to know a lot of the Bible to act in wisdom. You just need to know the God of the Bible. And you need, to, you need to depend on Him and ask Him. And He will give you wisdom. The Bible says in the book of James, uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He's, gonna, he's not going to scold you for asking Him for wisdom. But I'll tell you, one of the things He'll do, He's going to point you to His Word where wisdom is found. And He'll help you to discern. He'll help you to gain wisdom, to grow in wisdom. And as you... As you grow in wisdom, you will learn how to handle a matter wisely and you'll find good. Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. When, a, when a, man's, a man is seeking after wisdom, or a, or a woman, when I, say, when, I, when I speak of you know, a man, usually I'm speaking generally of mankind. When a, person, uh, when a person is seeking the Lord and wanting to grow in wisdom, when they're wanting to grow in wisdom and they're seeking the Lord, they're going to, they're going to learn from that wisdom and allow that wisdom to govern what comes out of their mouth. And what's going to come out of the mouth is coming from the heart that, is, that has been changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. And they're going to be speaking wisely. It's going to educate your lips, so to speak, so that what comes out is not the foolishness that poured out before. Remember last week we talked about how the, fool, uh, the mouth of the fool poureth out foolishness? You know, what pours out of the mouth? I know this is gross, but puke, you know, it pours out of the mouth. That's what, that's what pours out of the mouth of the foolish. I don't want that to be my testimony. I want wisdom. I want something that's going to edify and encourage people to be coming out of my mouth. How about you? Amen? Amen? It says, wisdom addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Hey, when you, when you speak uh, kindly and pleasant words to people, it's, it's, it's sweet, it's satisfying, it's so good. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Again, we can try to choose our own way, but God's going to have the last word. And if the way you choose is apart from God's way and His will and His word, 
then you're not gonna you're not gonna end up in the way that in the in the place that you want to. Because the way of man is going to lead man to follow man's heart. It's going to lead man to keep, keep himself as the object of his worship, really. As to keep man as the object of, his, of, of pleasure. He's going to seek his own pleasure and his own way. And that's going to lead him away from God. And the Bible says, the end thereof are the ways of death. So don't go your own way. Go God's way. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and his lip, and in his lips there is a, as a burning fire. You ever gotten into a conversation with somebody where they just keep digging up things from the past? You know, this, this, uh, this man went to see his, his pastor one day, and he said, he said, Pastor, I need some, I need some advice. I need some... Uh, some marital counseling and and uh, the, the pastor said, "Okay, what's what's going on?" And he he said he said every time every time I get into a discussion with my wife, it ends up in an argument. And she gets downright historical. The pastor said, "You mean she gets she gets hysterical?" He said, "No, she gets historical. She's dragging up things from twenty and thirty years ago." Hey, we don't need to do that. We don't need to be to be digging up the past. The Bible says an ungodly man diggeth up evil. Let's not bring up things from the past that's only going to cause pain and hurt. The Bible says that, in, that that person that digs up the past in his lips is as a burning fire. You know how it is when, when somebody comes at you digging up the past, reminding you of your past failures and everything. It just kind of burns and scalds you, doesn't it? And we typically react as a scalded, as having been scalded, we come at them, right? And that's not what God wants for us. Let's not be that way. The Bible says, a froward man soweth strife. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't cause problems. It says, a whisperer separateth chief friends. You know, somebody going around, did you hear about, did you hear about what happened with so-and-so? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were, uh, I thought they were a Christian, but you know what they did. If somebody ever comes to you doing that, whispering to you and wanting to tell you what somebody else did and everything, did you hear about so-and-so? No, but you know what? I, I, I love that person. I love them. Jesus loves them. And, and you know, they, they might not be perfect, but I believe down deep in their heart they want to please God. And I can't believe anybody would ever say anything wicked and, and mean about them. Do you? But if they proceed... To go on and try to gossip and so and so discord and, and say something uh, say something bad about somebody, the Bible says an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue. If they go on, even though you said I can't believe anybody would want to say something mean and bad about them, you know, if they go on and say, yeah, but did you know that they blah blah blah, you know, you could just look at them and say, you know what? Did you not hear what I just said? They love Jesus. Jesus loves them. They're not perfect, but they want to do right. And I can't believe anybody would say something evil about them. They're growing in grace. Let's encourage them to do so. If they're overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore them. Amen? You know what that'll do? It'll drive away a backbiting tongue. It'll, it'll be a while before that person comes back to you to gossip. They might go gossip to somebody else, but they're not going to gossip to you, right? Anyway, uh, a violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into a way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. People, people will just... A person whose heart is set on evil and foolishness and wickedness, they're going to come up with ways to do it. Sometimes they'll, they'll just sit around just devising it. And, and I just don't understand. The Bible says a hoary head is a crown of glory. When it says hoary head, it's speaking of, of the gray hair or the white hair. As somebody grows, as they, as they get older, you know, hopefully they've grown in wisdom, uh, wisdom from the experiences of life. And it says it's a crown of glory if it be, if it be found in the way of righteousness. Just because somebody is a gray, has, has gray hair doesn't mean that they're a godly and wise person. There are many out there that are promoting things that are ungodly and they themselves are living ungodly lives and they've got white hair. 
we don't disrespect them, but we, want, but we don't want to follow that example. That white and gray hair, it's a crown of glory if it's found in the way of righteousness. The Bible says, he that is slow, uh, let, me, let me say this, as I get older, I want to live my life in such a way that, that those coming behind me, they see the wisdom of the decisions that I've made. They see, the, they see the track record of holiness and righteousness. So they don't look at me and, you know, and have the response of many young people to older people today, you know, okay, boomer, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want them to have that kind of disdain. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a boomer, but uh, anyway. Um, I don't want them to have that kind of disrespect and disdain. So I have the responsibility to set the example of godliness and righteousness. And wisdom. So, and so do you. You have that responsibility to set a track record, a reputation, to ha have your testimony set as a person whose way is committed, whose works are committed to God. You've gone all in. There is no turning back. I think of I think of Peter. Peter was, was in the boat with the disciples. Jesus had told them, go across to the other side. And they're out there in the boat. And Jesus had gone up into the mountain to pray after He sent the people away. And, and the boat is now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the winds as a storm came up. And the, the disciples, are, they're pretty scared. And, the, and in the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. And at first they saw Him and they thought He was a ghost. But He said, don't be afraid, it's I. And one of them said, hey, it's, it's the Lord. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Peter knew that the safest place for him to be when he's out on the water is in the boat. But Peter knew that the safest place to be uh, when a storm came up was at the shore. Right? Not on the water. But, if, but he knew that the very safest place for him to be regardless if, if he was on land or sea, regardless if it was storm or sunshine, he knew the very safest place for him to be was as close to Jesus as he could get. And so he said, Lord, if, if that's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter stepped out of the boat. The Bible said he, he came down out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say he held on to the boat and kind of felt around to see, was it going to be firm under his foot? I believe if he had done that, his foot would have gone underwater, right? But he came down out. He didn't hold on because his confidence being in the boat. He, he didn't hang on as long as he could until he could reach out and, and try to grab hold of Jesus. No. He did what Jesus said for him to do. And he walked on the water to Jesus. He, he committed when he came down out of the ship, he'd, he had taken that step. He had reached that point of no return. Right? He would committed to following Jesus. He had committed to drawing close to Jesus. I want that to be my testimony. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. You know, if, if you are quick-tempered, you're going to lose every battle and every conversation you, you, you engage yourself in. Every argument you try to win, you're going to lose. I mean, you might put them in their place, but you lose because you've destroyed a relationship. You've disrespected them. You've disrespected Jesus Christ. But you can win so much with a soft answer, being slow to anger, and ruling your spirit. The Bible goes on and says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You know, if so many times we have, the, we have the, the mindset, the tendency to believe that we have to be in such control and have everything planned out just so. And there's nothing wrong with planning and organizing. But if our focus is on our plan and our organizing rather than trusting God with the outcome, then we're missing it all. We can, do, we can do the best we can, but in the end, the lot is cast. You know, we, the, die, the die are rolled. You can roll the, roll the dice. That's what it's saying. Because in the end, you really don't have control over your life. How many of you, 2020 has gone the way you planned? No. I think one of the greatest joke books they printed this year is a 2020 planner. But uh, anyway, 
um, we, we, didn't, we didn't find 2020 to be the way we planned for it. None of us had this in mind. None of us were in control. And that's what God wants you to realize. This didn't catch him by surprise. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to trust him completely with every detail of your life. Commit yourself to him. And those things that are beyond your control, it's not beyond his. The Bible says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof, the way it's all going to work out, it's of the Lord. What he wants from you is to just trust him. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Well, I'm just dropping everything here, but I'm done. God wants us to honor him and to trust him. Have you committed your life to the Lord? Are you trusting him with the outcomes? Are you trusting him with the details of your life? Or are you trying to hold on so tightly and make sure it all fits your plan and follows after your goals? As a believer in Jesus Christ, our goal should be godliness. So our focus should be on Him. And our trust should be in Him. Because He's going to lead you to reach that goal of godliness. Might mean that he, that he leads you to do some things that you don't understand. And that kind of feel crazy. It really felt crazy for me to leave the church there in Georgia where I was pastoring and sell everything that I had and to move my family into a motorhome and, tra and travel across the country to come out here to California where I knew nobody to try to reach a few somebodies for Jesus Christ. And now we see what God has done. Would you commit your way to the Lord, your works to the Lord, and just see what God will do with your life? Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. But I'm here to tell you, He's trustworthy. You can depend on Him. He'll never fail you. If you'd like to know more about that relationship, I'd love to talk to you about it today. I'd love to spend some time with you and share with you the good news that, that Jesus loves you and how you can know that, you're, that you are on your way to heaven. Would you talk to us about that today?